0: I like that it took a, took a little bit, of, when Eric got up here for announcements, it took a little bit for everyone to get settled. It makes me feel a little better about myself, because every now and then I feel like I'm struggling to grab everyone's attention. So it's not just me, guys. It's all of us, because I was back there talking, too. But I was talking to Amelia, who was very important. Yeah. I don't know what you guys are talking about. It wasn't as important as my conversation with Amelia. Excuses. Well, Mike Skelton's back. This message makes a lot more sense now, Mike. It makes a lot more sense now. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's start off. We're, we're going to read a verse. Kind of bring us in. Let's read. This is coming from Exodus 6, 6 through 8. So say, therefore, to the people of Israel. Everyone's talking to their babies. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. Understand, this is being being said to Moses. As God tells Moses, I'm going to send you into the land of the Egyptians, and I'm going to use you to bring my people out from, under, out from under the burden of the Egyptians. And this is the key little part I want us to hone in on. Verse 7, I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from the, uh, from the, under from the burden of the Egyptians... I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Sometimes in life we, we understand this, that when we're interacting with people, we're trying to understand people and their actions, sometimes motives are unclear. But the Lord doesn't hide the ball here. He's very clear about His motives and His intentions. I always get slightly on edge, and maybe you can relate to this, I'm a bit of a prankster myself, and so the students have taken after me a little bit. It's always going to come back to bite you. When you start pranking people, they start to get the idea, pick up on your tricks, and it comes back at you. So whenever the students do something nice for me, they walk down to the store and they got me a soda and I didn't ask them to, or, yeah, uh-oh, yeah, or they said, hey, hey, I, I, can, I get your, can I get your truck keys so I can just go put this in a truck for you? What? What do you need my keys for? They're trying to do something nice, and I'm like on edge. What, what exactly are your motives? Nine times out of ten, I'm right to be suspicious of them. There's something going on. They shook up my soda, or I think before they put hot chili peppers or some hot chili pepper flakes into my Coke, like, drank it, and I was like, I didn't notice that at first. Drank again. And then I was like, my stomach started hurting. I was like, this Coke is bad. I think once Luke, Luke, I like Oreos, you all know that, and Luke replaced the Oreo filling with toothpaste. I did not notice. I didn't notice. I ate it. I was like, a little chalky. Motives are not always clear. They're not always clear. But God, when He's approaching the people of Israel, and He's saying, I want to bring you out from Egypt, and, there's, and you may be saying, that like, why? Why are you doing this such, such a wonderful thing for us? His motives are clear. I will take you to be My people, and I will be your God. This is the, the intent. This has actually been the intent since creation. I want you to be My people, and I want to be your God. That's what I want between us. I want you to be my people. See, God clearly lays out His motives. He does it for us all of the time. This is just an instance in Scripture when He did it specifically in this moment. See, this, this, this moment where He says, I will take you to be my people, this will be a defining moment in the relationship that God has with Israel. So we see this pattern again and again and again. You are my people. You're not acting like it. You are my people. That's, that's what I want. I, I, am, I am your God. This is the relationship that we have. You will know me as your God and, and who I am and what my motives are. I'm always going to be clear with you with what my motives are. I want you to be my people. That same thing is... He's calling us into that as well. I want you to be my people. I will take you to be my people. I will will free you, and I will lead you. Or I will free you so that I can lead you. I want to lead you. I want to guide you. I want to be yours. I find it so telling that, you know, when, when Israel leaves Egypt... What do, what do they have as a guide? Anybody remember? Yeah, they had, they had a pillar. Uh, uh, it was a cloud or smoke in the, during the day and fire at night. Now that I've taken you out, this is my intent. I want to lead you. I want to be your God. I'm going to take you somewhere. I have things for you. Of course, we've been talking about more. I will lead you. I will guide you. I will protect you. I will rule over you, teach you, love you, bless you. God desires to lead us as his people. We know that Jesus equals more, right? More doesn't equal Jesus. Jesus equals more. And where God leads, there will always be more. Jesus equals more. So where God leads, there will always be more. And that's where he's guiding us to. That's where he's leading us into is more, not less, more. A lot of people define, like to define Christianity or us Jesus followers as people who God has taken away from. He's taken away all your fun. He's taken away all your freedom. He's taken away all your enjoyment. But We know where God leads, there's more. There's always going to be more. That's how it is. Remember the, uh, the interaction with the rich young ruler? A young man in search for more, in search for eternity, comes up to, comes up to Jesus says, what more must I do? And Jesus says, well, follow all the commandments. And, and he responds with this. He says, all of these I have kept. What do I still lack? Because he's saying I, there's still more out there and I want it. There's still more. Any of you guys ever feel like there's still more? Like there's still more. And I want it. How do I get this more? And Jesus said, If you would be perfect, go and sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. Follow me, because I lead to more. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And we know Jesus follows up. He says, Truly I say to you, only, the diff, uh, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, is it easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God? See, this, this man having everything, still longing for more. So said, I have everything, but I still want more. And Jesus says, well, you missed the mark. More doesn't lead to me. I lead to more. Get rid of all of this stuff you have. Follow me. Anything that prevents you from following me, toss it to the side. Follow me. I will take you to be my people and I will be your God. We are called to be a people that follow God's lead wholeheartedly. Follow God, follow Jesus. More is found. But this morning I'm not going to convince, I'm not, I'm not laying out an argument to follow Jesus necessarily. What, I'm, what we're actually going to do is, what, what, to, what should we expect? So I've said yes to following the Lord, what should I expect? Or I haven't yet, what's this road ahead of me going to look like if I do make the decision? What, do we, what should we expect? Okay, I'm, I'm following after God's lead. I'm letting him lead me. What's this road ahead going to look like now? This is odd for me. A different type of sermon format, I guess. But uh, I have six things to expect when being led by God. Six things. Students, this is your... This is your yeah. I see you behind the pole. Students, this is your cue. I, get, I helped you. I said there's going to be six notes that you need to have somewhere. On your phone, on your hand. And I'm gonna expect you to know all six at the end of this. See, this is a youth group where I can give them a reward after. How do we how do we persuade them? Okay, six things. What do I expect by being led by God? God saying, God's saying, I want you to be my people and I will be your God. Here's what you can expect. Now, this isn't a comprehensive list. This isn't everything you can expect. These are really just the things that the Lord's put on my heart and mind. Just like, oh yeah, this is cool. This is neat. Oh yeah, I'm glad I know this, understand this. So six things to expect. Number one, being led by God is foreign to the world's ways. Being led by God is foreign to the world's ways. We're going to read this. First Samuel eight one through seven. First Samuel eight one through seven it says, "When Samuel became old, he made his sons judges over Israel. Samuel himself was a judge after a long line of judges. Remember, the Lord would raise up the judges to save Israel, to save them from their uh, from their opponents, but also to save them from themselves." They often got themselves into quite a bit of trouble because God said, I want, you, I want to be your God, but they said, no, 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 not right now. We're busy over here. They get themselves into trouble. God would raise up these judges. Samuel is one of the judges in a long line. So it says he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn son was Joel. The name of his second, Abijah, I guess. I'm sure there's a ch in there somewhere. They were judges in Beersheba, yet his sons did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. Verse 4, then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah, Ramah and said to him, behold, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the other nations. But this thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel said to the Lord, and Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people and all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. Samuel, or uh, Israel, Israel is a nation that is the Lord's nation. And so they look all around them. And the other nations are doing it different. They have kings. They go out to battle, and there's a king there. Or a king that's directing the battle. They say, we want that. Look at that guy. Isn't that awesome they have these kings? Being led by God is foreign to the world's ways. They look around to the world's ways of doing things and find that they're the only ones like this. The only one that uses this system of judges that the Lord raises up, and so they're in complete reliance on the Lord the whole time. They want this king that they can look at, this king that they can build a, I don't know, a castle for. Do they have castles then? Were they called castles? What were they called? Palaces. Palaces. Thank you. Gosh. They rejected God as king and demanded a king like the rest of the nations. They reject the king who freed them. They reject the king who desired to lead them. They reject God. Because they look around them and see I like what the rest of the world's doing. I like this. They got a king, we want a king. And Samuel of course warns them what it's going to be like. Samuel says, "Okay, you want a king?" And God tells them, "Hey, go tell the people. Make sure you warn them." And Samuel actually warns them like 3 times what a king is going to be like. And so Samuel comes. Hey, he's gonna. This king's gonna come. He's gonna take your land. This king's gonna come. He's gonna take your sons. This king's gonna come. He's gonna. He's gonna take your daughters. This king's gonna come, and you're gonna fight his battles and his wars. This king's gonna come, and he's gonna lead to less. Because anything other than God's lead leads to less. And we see there was, there was a couple great kings right? They're the ones who actually looked at the Lord and said, lead us. But all the rest, man, there's a long line of just sucky kings. In a world where this way of leadership is foreign, there's going to be constant reminders that this way is different. The way that you've chosen to live is different. Now, I've only, Riley and I are in our fifth year of going into our fifth year of marriage. May will be five years. I don't know how you say that. May will be five years. I feel like that's a landmark. Like that's when you become like official or something. And people start giving you the cred that you deserve. No, I'm joking. But one of the things that comes up periodically in our house is how different we still do things. Like, like how I don't shut the cabinets when I'm in the kitchen doing stuff and Riley comes in and, no, shut these cabinets. And I'm like, okay, I, I don't know. And I've hit my head on those cabinets too. I don't know why I don't shut the cabinets. Nor the idea that, I mean, why do the dishes if the sink isn't full, right? You got to let them soak, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they gotta soak for at least 24 hours, right? <laughs> and that's only if the sink is full. What? Yeah. Constant reminder of how different God's lead is. We know this. We do stuff different than other people. There are minor things here and there, or things that annoy someone else. Could be your spouse. Or son-in-law. We're talking about Caleb. <laughs> right? I don't, I do not annoy my mother-in-law. Yeah, that was quick. Come at me. No. (laughs) Please don't. I don't know if I could do it again. There's only one other son-in-law, so. Anyways, so there's constant reminders of how different God's lead is. There's going to be all around us. So what do we do? We still live in a world where everyone who is not following the Lord's lead is following someone else's or something else's lead whether it's their own lead, a mixture of a bunch of people's lead, whatever they think is right. And a lot of times, it looks like they're having a good time. And now we live in a world where we're pressured to do that same thing. So it's not like, oh, look, they have kings. Let's have a king. It's, it's them coming over and be like, hey, why don't you have a king? What, why does your nation look different? We don't like this. You need to be like us. Why don't you be like us? So there's this pressure. So in a world... We're constantly reminded of how different this concept is. How is it that we keep, keep focused and keep straight and hold to this concept or, and, and hold to this rule of I want to be led by God? We know Israel failed at it many times. Again and again and again and again and again. I feel like in my own life, I've had these lapses again and again and again where it's like, okay, I'm following the Lord's lead. The Lord's like, that is not me leading there. That is all you. So, okay, so so what do I do? So so everywhere I look, there's constant whispers saying the grass is greener. So how am I supposed to maintain God leading me? We stay the course by rooting ourselves in truth and resolving not to change course. We see this with Daniel. Daniel demonstrates this when he's taken to uh, King Nebuchadnezzar's courts. We've talked about this before. Daniel's taken uh, out of his homeland. He's taken out of Israel, brought into Babylon. He's going to be trained up in the, in the king's ways. And Daniel says, no, no I, I can't do that. I can't do that. He said, whatever that is, that is not the Lord's lead there. I cannot do that. So he resolves to not do it. And the Lord provides him another way. And it works out, but we see that is actually a foundation for what happens in the future. His three friends are, are threatened with being thrown into a fiery furnace if they don't bow down to the image that King Nebuchadnezzar made. He so said, no, we're not going to do it. They're literally the only ones in an entire nation that will not bow down. How do you do that? How do you stick to the course? Well, you root yourself in truth and you resolve that this is how i'm going to live my life i root myself in truth i ground myself in it it's really easy it's really easy to lie to people or to convince them of a false fact when they don't know what the truth is right we do it to little kids all the time to tease them i'm not saying we i mean like we all I know you guys don't want to laugh. You're like, no, I don't do that. That's cruel. That's me. Yeah, just me. Okay. Every now and then, you know, you say, hey, hey, if, you know, Christmas is coming up, if you open those, tr- if you open those presents, Santa Claus isn't going to come, right? We have this, elf, there's this elf on the shelf thing that people do, and there's this, every, everybody else makes up all these things. We make up these little things, because kids don't know the truth yet, and are exposed to it. But even we, as an adult, fully developed minds. Mine just became fully developed. Right? It's like 25 or 26 of that happens. It's a nice little milestone. No? What? I've been lied to. Why does the age keep going up? What? Huh? Oh, man. Am I still dumb? Mm. Okay. A, I don't know how that fits into my lesson. There's more to come. Yeah. But we, as, but we as an adult sometimes convince ourselves that we are aware of the whole truth. But there's a reason why when we read this, this the Holy Spirit continues to reveal new truths to us. Yeah, amen. There's such depth to it. So we root ourselves in this daily. Daily. I'm in this daily one way or another, whether I'm listening to it on the way to work or in the shower or whatever, whether I'm picking it up for a few minutes and while I'm going, going in, between, in between obligations, whether I wake up a little earlier in the morning or go to sleep a little later, I want to root myself in truth to make sure that this God who is saying, I will be your God, you will be my people, that I can maintain that relationship. Not be fooled, swayed, or pushed any other way. Nice. This is what we can expect when being led by God. Number two. The others are shorter, guys, I promise. Number two. You can expect free and direct access to God. Free and direct access to God. I think this is the most exciting thing about following the Lord. Is that I have access to the creator of the universe. I can speak to him and he responds to me. Not in in these vague responses, but in, in he responds as if I'm the only one that he's talking to. This personal relationship that I have with this God. He means it when he says, I'm gonna take you to be my people and I will be your God. Let's read these. I have three verses we're going to read. I'm just going to fire through them. Romans eight fourteen through 15 says this, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. You're sons, you're daughters of God. You know what that relationship's like, to be a son, to be a daughter. That means that if Amelia were to run out here right now to me, I'd pick her up. Even though I'm talking to all you guys. Right? She gets, my, she gets my focus. Right? I am, I am a son. I am a daughter. I have free, direct access to our Heavenly Father. Verse 15, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons. You were chosen as sons and daughters. By whom we cry, Abba, Father. Let's read this in James 4. James 4, 7 and 8 says this, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your heart, you double-minded. See, a submission to God is to draw near to him and he responds in kind. I choose to follow his lead. I submit to his rule in my life. He actually pulls closer to me. Where else do we actually see this? We don't actually see this anywhere else. You think of kings throughout history. Kings put distance from themselves between them and their people, right? Every, every, every other ruler that we've ever heard of put distance between themselves. And it seemed like the more people that followed them, the further and further and further they got from the regular people. But God leads a different way. So it doesn't matter how many of you follow me. You're all my sons and daughters, and I all give you free and direct access to me. I want to read this in Ephesians 3. It says, According to the eternal purpose that was realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in Him. So because of Jesus, we can approach the Lord with boldness and confidence. This is what you get as His people. If you're not convinced yet, I don't know what would convince you. Free, direct access to God? And not only that, He's going to forgive all your sins? So you're saying, well, I can't approach Him because he, well, He's God. And He's like, no, no, no. We're, there's this guy named Jesus who died for you and, and He's going to approach the Father with you and on behalf of you, go before you and say, no, this one is clean. I died for Him. I died for her. Free and direct access to God. Number three. Your own logic will be challenged and transformed. Your own logic will be challenged and transformed. Challenged, that's to say, no, this isn't the correct way. Transformed, saying, this is the new way to think about it. This is the new way to do it. Your own logic will be challenged and transformed. Transformed. It's because we, we follow this God who, in Isaiah 55, it says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than yours, and my thoughts than yours. If we're following after this great, this great powerful, almighty God, it's going to make sense that your logic is going to be challenged. And the Lord is going to transform the way you think about this world, the way you think about Him, the way you think about, about yourself. Think about what's possible. And then think about the Egyptians, uh, uh, the Israelites, when they're leaving Egypt. And they walk straight up to, to the sea. Like, what is going on here? Like, we're backed up to the sea. Why don't we just go around it? Say, and then the Lord splits it. Say, I'm going to challenge and transform your logic of what's possible. Now go through it. And then they're like, we're in the wilderness. Why are we in the wilderness? This doesn't make any sense. The Lord says, well, I'm going to provide all the food for you. Don't worry. You're going to have everything you need. Oh, okay. This makes sense now. Well, it doesn't make sense. But it makes sense when you put a powerful God into the mix of it. So the Lord is going to challenge your own logic. He's going to transform the way that you think, and you're going to run into things you never thought you would before. You're going to do things you never thought were possible. How many of you guys in your own life the Lord has done something that you didn't think was possible? Yeah. All of us. We're all, we're all here right now. That's something. We all have clear memory of the person we used to be. Romans 12.2 says this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. We know that happens through the Spirit of God. On this journey that you're taking with Him, He's going to transform your mind. Transform your thinking. I think every now and then the Lord reminds us of this as we interact with people who, who aren't following the Lord and we say something and they're like, that doesn't make any sense. How is that going to happen? I'm like, no, the Lord's going to provide for you. What do you mean the Lord's going to provide for you? And then I explain stories. I tell them stories like, look, this is what has happened in my life and continue my life. Then I bring up other people's stories and this is what the Lord has done for them. They're like, that doesn't make any sense. The Lord begins to transform your own thinking. Ephesians 4, 17-20 says this, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. How do they walk? They walk in the futility of their minds. They rely on their own mind, and it's futile. They trust their own mind, and it's weak. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. And they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greed, greedy to practices of every kind of impurity. But this is not the way you learned Christ. No, the way we learn Christ is to trust and rely on the logic and the understanding of God. And he's going to give us that. Last, it was last week, right? Eric talked on how to get more wisdom. He actually gives us his wisdom. Like, how, how amazing is that? Something that is his, he now makes our own, he makes it ours through his Holy Spirit. Through his spirit is now ours. We we can possess, we can have the wisdom of God. What are these three things so far? You can expect to you can expect that being led by the by God is foreign to the world's ways. You can expect to have free and direct access to God. You can expect your logic challenged and transformed. And number four, I wanted to get something to illustrate this. And the only way I can say this is a blessing sphere forms. Blessing sphere. A hula hoop wasn't big enough. It seemed too small. And anything else big enough seemed too big. So this idea of a blessing sphere. All the people who surround the people of God are blessed by the way they live. Blessed by the way they're directed by their God. Blessed by the ability that God has given them to live. Everyone that comes in contact with God's people is blessed. Why? Because these people are somehow better? Oh, man. Why why are these people blessed? Are Are they blessed by God's people because God's people are better? No. They're blessed because... The God that they're following them directs them to live a certain way and empowers them to live a certain way. And the way that they live benefits all of those around them. So this blessing sphere forms. Matthew talks about how we are salt and light. Mark, uh, and Mark in uh, the other Gospels too, talks about how to love our God first and then. In doing so, the second commandment, love your neighbor. In Galatians, it's talking about the fruit of the Spirit. All of these are for the benefit of the people that come in contact with it, right? Someone comes in contact with salt and light, they're benefited. Salt has this preserving and healing properties. It can can prevent decay, And it can even heal wounds. Light reveals truth. They themselves don't have to be salt and light. Just by me, a person who's allowing God to lead and direct my life, I come into into their, their bubble steps, into my sphere, and all of a sudden, because of who I am through Jesus Christ, now light is shed into their darkened world. Love your neighbor. I love how it's like, love your God, then love your neighbor. People who love God love their neighbors. So everyone that comes in contact with someone who is being led by an almighty God comes into contact with love. Someone who's going to love them. Someone that's going to pour out into them. Through the Spirit. can't tell you how many times we've said this here, that the fruit is not for you. All right? The fruit of the Spirit is for everyone that comes in contact with you. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, Uh, self-control. I said it out of order. I know. (laughs) I see Riley's face like, oh, oh, man, you're messing it up. I think I got all of them. This is for the people around you, people that enter into your realm, people that enter into your circle, that you come in contact with. Their lives are blessed. This blessing sphere forms. Anyone else that that you, that you follow after. Anyone else that leads you, whether it's yourself or someone other than God, the, the objective is to shrink that. Right? I want all the blessing toward me. But God says the opposite. No. Let's, let's stretch that out as far as possible. I'm going to bring people to you so that I can bless them through you. Amen? Amen? Amen. Number five. Glory given to God. Jesus' name proclaimed, lives saved. It's a great laugh. First Peter four eleven says this: Whoever speaks as one who speaks, as one who speaks oracles of God; whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that everything, uh, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong the glory, dominion forever and ever. Amen. All those who are led by God, all those that operate through His Spirit, so that He is continually glorified, His work being done through us. You follow after the Lord, lives are going to be saved. You follow after the Lord, He is going to be glorified, because this is the way of things. I'm going to take you to be my people and I will be your God. My name will be glorified. People will be blessed and their lives literally saved. Sometimes you know, sometimes the best answer is the simplest answer. If you have people in your life who you are longing for them to know the Lord, Well, it starts with you following after the Lord fervently. That's the right word. Without relenting, following after the Lord. Because we know when God's people follow Him, His name's glorified in their actions, in their lives. And through them, He works amazing things. Even bringing bringing salvation to others. Through you, salvation. He's working salvation through you. Yes, he's doing all the work, and we give him all the glory. But you play a role. You play a part in it. Number six is our last one. And I think it can be the most obvious, but sometimes the most neglected. We don't think about it a lot. This is why I think people are like, ah, Christians are boring. You guys just sit there and sing songs. Some of you sit there while you sing songs. Number six is the greatest adventure in your life. It's crazy that you can live a, a, a practically mundane life, but if you're following after the Lord, that be, your life, you're going to go on some crazy adventures. Because you have the God of the universe working through you guiding you, pouring into you so that you can pour out into the people around you. God's saying, I want you to be my people, and I want to be your God. This is going to be the greatest adventure of your life. Some of you guys have told, told me stories of who you were before you knew Jesus. Stories of before the Lord brought you out of slavery. But none of those crazy stories that I've heard trump the stories that have been created after you come to know Jesus. The amazing journey that He's taken you on. The amazing role you've played in furthering his kingdom. This is the greatest adventure of your life. Sometimes we just we push back against the mundane because it just seems so so boring. But God's like, you don't, it's not about the mundane. You're following me, so your life is bound to be amazing. There's bound to be great things in it. You're going to, ex- you're going to expect, uh, you should expect a range of all life throws at you. I don't know what that sentence means. What is that? <laughs> yeah. You're going to experience all life has to throw at you. The ups, the downs. It's like it's going to be like a roller coaster. You're going to look back and you're going to say, "Wow, look at this! All this amazing, all the amazing things God has done. Look at..." No, you're good. Yeah. Yeah. Philippians four says this in verse twelve. Paul's speaking this to the Philippians. He says, "I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me." What does this say, Paul? He experienced the high life, he experienced the low life, and still God is glorified through it all. He went on this crazy adventure. I bet half of half of believers, if you ask them who your favorite character is besides Jesus in the Bible, they say Paul. If you're given such detailed description, what's going on with this guy's life? Shipwrecked, abandoned, thrown in prison, he goes through all this hardship. He also goes through these periods where He's abounding through the blessings of the, of the church. This is going to be an amazing adventure that you go on. There's going to be nothing else like it. It's the furthest thing from boring. Students, do you hear me? It's the furthest thing from boring. Because you guys are submerged in a world that tells you everything but the church is where adventure is. Everything but Jesus is is going to be your adrenaline rush, but it's right here with him, where the greatest adventure is. Following after him, amen, and amen. It also fulfills the purpose of the plan that God has for you. Yeah, yep. All of this works together. Not only is it going to be amazing and great, you don't have to sacrifice the plans of the for the of you don't have to sacrifice the plans the Lord has for your life. They work in conjunction. An amazing adventure. And, you get, 20, you, get a and you, you get a purpose, yes. You get a purpose. You don't have to sacrifice one for the other. It's like every, day is a great quest. every day is a great quest. Yeah. There's something new, exciting. I don't ever look back on a year of my life and think I wasted it. But... More and more, I hear you see the statistics of millennials, and it seems like every millennial is saying that, like their their life is unsatisfied, their life is empty, it's because they're looking everywhere else other than Jesus for more. Jesus equals more, Amen? amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this desire on your heart to lead us as your people and to be our God. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for being our God. We ask, Father, that you take us on an amazing adventure, glorifying your name, seeing lives changed. Help us, Father, to stay the course. Thank you for the free and direct access we have to you as Heavenly Father. This morning, the the prayer of my heart is, Lord, lead me, and I am going to let you lead. Father, thank you for freeing me to lead me. In Jesus' name, amen.